0: Hello, welcome to To Be a Terrier. Stephen Chicken here, joined by Mister Hartrick. How are you doing, David?
1: Not bad at all. Not bad at all. We should probably explain, and I'll save your voice. We are late this week because Steve has not been very well, hence why he sounds a bit bunged up, to say the very least.
0: Yeah. So apologies for that. Um, Yeah, we we found it. I think even after the Blackpool game we were finding it difficult to find a recording time um we set up Monday night and then couldn't do that and then by and then we sort of penciled in Tuesday night and by the time that rolled around I was uh under the the grip of this horrible cold or COVID or whatever it is I've got um so yeah apologies for the the lateness on this one we've got loads to talk about though so let's crack on um the transfer window. First of all, I think Dave. Um, three new signings on deadline day. A few outs as well, including most of them. You know, younger players, B team players going out on loan. But one or two notable departures, even if they're just loans for the time being, um, as well. We'll start with with the ins. It was Luke Mbete, Mikhail Helik in the end, and Tyree Simpson. Uh, not necessarily in that order on the day, but <laughs> Simpson. I think there hasn't been a summer gone by that town fans haven't said they want a striker. Uh, I think it's just a, a normal part of football fandom. Uh, and I think they'll be pleased that they've they've got him in, but uh, unfortunately he's going to be out-injured for the first few months. So they're expecting him back after the World Cup break or around the time of the World Cup break. I think it was a, an issue that they discovered during his medical. Do you think it makes sense that they went ahead with that regardless?
1: Yeah, because yeah, I think if you've identified a player, if that's your man, and you're in it for the long term, um, I think go for it. My scouting on Simpson and having seen a little bit of him is that I'm not trying to dampen anyone's enthusiasm but I think he's very raw um, I think he's got a lot of really good attributes and a lot of things that point towards him potentially being very good longer term but I, th- I think there's certainly work to be done and a way to go so in a way having a few months on sort of light duties and then building into training and and uh, etc might actually weirdly work out a bit better, <laughs> um, so we'll we'll see. But I I think he was he was clearly the player. He's been linked with them for a long time. He's clearly yeah. the player they've wanted. They haven't just gone and got any player. So they clearly think he does certain things very well. And yeah, you know, like his. This weird season with the World Cup in the middle affords you another month without football, remember. So yeah, you know, I can't see any reason why you wouldn't just go and get it done.
0: That's it. They've been they've been working on that deal all summer and I think it would have been a waste of all that work if they decided not to do it. I think if he you know, if they had not gone ahead with it and then he comes back for Ipswich and scores five goals in his first five games back or something you know something ridiculous like that they potentially don't get that deal done mm. in January you know he's, he's 20 years old so it is a long-term sign and I think they they do see him featuring for the first team this season I don't think they necessarily see him as a you know a B team project I think they see him as a first teamer um, but I think they didn't Urgently need that centre forward. I don't think you know, for all the criticisms we've had of town, and we'll continue to, to have them on this episode. I think we've been fairly happy with what Danny Ward and Jordan mm-hmm. Rhodes have, have done with you know, in difficult circumstances for the both of them, with not a huge amount to work off in some games. You know, that they've both done all right. So, yeah, I, th- I think it makes sense to get that one done. Um, and Bette as well, and and Hellick, we should probably talk about as a pair. Mm-hmm. Um, they desperately needed. Centre backs. I think that was clear uh, from you know you saw the, the the back five they put out against Bristol City with Tom Lee suspended, and you think yeah that's a side that needs at least one more centre back and and a you know a, a proper no nonsense centre back in particular as well with Matty Pearson being out injured for the next several months, um, and they've I think Helic is is ready made to slot into that defence. Looking at his numbers, he's one of the the top sort of five centre backs in the division over the past two seasons. Barnsley's Player of the Year in the year they reached the playoffs as well. Uh, you know, I th- he's always caught my eye when he's I've seen him play against Town. Mm. I think he looks like a, a a really really good signing. I was delighted they got that one done.
1: Yeah, I, he's ready made. You know, he can slot straight in. <laughs> Barnsley's problems were nothing to do with Helic. Where they ultimately, <laughs> um, he was. Uh, Again, he's one that I think you you just go, yeah, that just makes perfect sense, really. And I think longer term as well, you can see what his role is going to be in that defence. Um, but Mbeta is a different kettle of fish, I'd say. I think one or two people are already thinking Levi Cole will. And I would say yeah. to those people, no. <laughs> Call um, your jets. <laughs> yeah, nowhere near that level. Um, quite raw, Um Things he needs to to work on. I, I spoke to somebody who um, works and does a lot of cities academy and um, and sort of aged football and reserve football. Um, and he's sort of he's that classic young player who has got every single attribute you would want, but he just struggles to put it all together in ninety minutes. Um, so I think it's a classic case of somebody going out, play some football. You know what he needs is experience. What he needs is is studs on grass, really, in in league football. So, yeah, um, it it's an interesting one because I think when we t- we'll have to talk about it in the context of one of the outs as well when we get to them. But yeah, um, yeah you know, it was good to they needed defensive reinforcement. They now have defensive reinforcement.
0: Yeah, I think we can we can talk about the one you're alluding to, which is obviously it's Romani Edmunds Green being sent out to Wigan. Mm-hmm. I think what Mbete offers that's different from Edmunds Green, One for one, he's left-footed. And we know carrying over from Carlos Corbrand's time at the club, they really like having a left-footer in there. And I think, especially when you're playing a back three, it, it makes sense to have a, a left-footer in the back line. And unfortunately, Will Boyle hasn't particularly made an impression so far, has he? No. Um, who was their only real left-footed out-and-out centre-back, bearing in mind, I think they want to play Yuta Nakayama um, at left-back or at left-wing-back, um, if they possibly can, especially since Josh Ruffles has had a very difficult start to the season. So Mbete gives them that. He's a natural centre-back. He's not a you know, a full-back filling in, which they, I think, would see Turton and Nakayama as being. Mm. And I think there's certain games where, and we talked about this after the Stoke game, where Turton and Nakayama's skill set was perfect for playing against Stoke mm. in a lot of ways. But there's other games, like a West Brom, for instance, mm. um, or a Bristol City, And I think we saw it with the way that 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 Naki Wells won that header uh, in the box for the opening goal that they need a a proper centre-back in there. And I think they've got that with both Helic and, and Mbete. But as you say, I think it's... I think it's worth keeping in mind that town potentially had a generational talent in Levi Colwell, mm. um, in terms of English defenders, at least I'm not talking in world foot. I'm not saying he's Lionel Messi, but you know, in terms of a yeah. generation of English defenders, um, Levi Colwell will, will, will be top of that list. Um, and I think you need to sort of keep that in mind when you're judging Mbete. Um, you know, he's, he's not the finished product. He's, he's 18, but he gives them another option. um, in in an area where they needed it, and as I say, I think Hellick, as a not just as a replacement for Pearson, um, I think he's ideal for that. But also longer term, you know, he's what is he, he's twenty six, just turned twenty seven, yeah. I think. Yeah. Over the weekend, um, he, you know, that he is a steps player. into
1: Tom releases' role next season, doesn't he? I think.
0: Yeah, yeah, he could be there, you know, and Lees has just signed a new contract, but I think you know, Helic, potentially, they'll be looking at him and thinking we can get three, four years out he's of him and potentially get a decent fee. Yes, yeah, he's going to be a starter yeah. for years, potentially. So I think maybe that was a bit of, um, you know, I think at the start of the summer, they wouldn't have been looking at signing a player like, like Helic, but I think Pearson's injury sort of changes that, doesn't it? And I think some people might ask why they sent out Ramani to bring in an unproven player like Mbete. Um, I think you just need to look at the fact that Rahmani hasn't completed 90 minutes yet Mm. this season um I think he you know and I think that sort of without getting into the ins and outs of it I think that sort of tells its own story doesn't it yeah so can't be going down um, the cramp
1: you know a few games into the season you've you've got to be up to speed at that point
0: yeah exactly so yeah I, I think Helic in particular could be a real difference maker for town um the other big out really was was Josh Caroma, uh, who's gone to Portsmouth. Um, I believe it's come out that there was uh, other Championship interest in him, and he he opted to go to to Portsmouth instead. Obviously, there's the, Cowley the Danny Cowley collection, yeah, and it was Coventry that that were in for for mm-hmm. Um And at one point, I think it looked like he might be going there, and then he ended up going going to Portsmouth instead. I think either move would have been good for him. But I think League One, you know that as much as he's not been performing at anything like Championship level the last year, you would hope that Josh Caroma could go into League One and be a, a star player in that division potentially. Uh,
1: potentially, yeah. Uh, I think that when it, uh, the offer he had from Coventry, he was going there to to fight for a place and have to have to play well to keep it. It's worth saying. I think the part of the appeal at Portsmouth is he is going to be given a little bit of time to to get up to speed. They're not going to drop him if he has a bad hour, you know. Um and he needs to put his game back together again a bit. He's yeah. he's struggling in various aspects and I I think it's I think it's mental as well as a physical thing and, you know, Portsmouth are aside who are Extremely Danny Cowley now, you know, 18 months <laughs> in, and I, I'm i not disparaging by that at all. You know, they're an extremely successful unit now who are incredibly well-organised and have, uh, before Josh Karoma even came, had a couple of real difference-makers as loans. You know, that's, that's what Danny Cowley does, isn't it, when he's in the lower leagues. So, yeah, I think it's a good move for him. I saw one or two people on social media who were... Uh, Kind of shocked because that realistically is the last we're probably going to mm-hmm. see of Josh Caroma in a town shirt. Because even if he goes and has an incredible season at Portsmouth, I just can't see Town putting a contract in front of him that he'd be willing to sign for the longer term um, for all sorts of reasons, really. So it yeah. sort of
0: feels like um, he helps Portsmouth go up and then signs for them to play in the championship. Yeah, yeah. It? Like or, I think that would probably be his hope.
1: Yeah, and. I can't, you know, I kind of get it. The thing about Josh Caroma was that, he, like, he's still got all the potential in the world. You know, we've we've seen it, haven't we? We've we've seen him play exceptionally well. Um, mm-hmm. We saw that spell where he was just dynamite. You know, he was he was. Oh, I don't want to use the word unplayable, but he was certainly getting towards that level. And then, uh, yeah, just the wind went out of his sails, and he struggled under Carlos. He he. I think Carlos wanted him to do certain things that just don't come natural to him at all, really. And, uh, yeah, it made me wonder, actually, longer term... (laughs) If you think about what happened to Josh Karoma under Carlos and the sort of the defensive responsibilities that he struggled to take on, and he ended up sort of out of the tide, it made me wonder if Corberan had still been here and they'd signed Tino Andrian for the season, where we'd be right now. Because we now know Andrian doesn't offer an awful lot defensively, does he? So, but no, I think it's a good move for for Corber uh, for Coroma, Sorry, I think it's a good move for him.
0: Yeah, I yeah, I think it's a pity, but I feel like we'd reached a point with Josh Caroma where I think everyone sort of feels like he's gonna he's gonna be a player in the championship again at some point. Yeah, there's gonna be a season where he gets you know gets to into double figures goal scoring and is a key player for someone. But it was also feeling more and more like that just wasn't going to happen at Huddersfield Town. He and
1: weirdly, he reminds me of Naki Wells in that he's not. A brilliant player but he's capable of having brilliant spells and he sort of lives mm-hmm. on these brilliant spells from club to club and it feels like Josh Caroma is a little bit in that envelope
0: yeah and, and I wouldn't be surprised if he you know comes back and does well for someone else um, but yeah sometimes it, it just doesn't work out you know no. um, and I don't think that's necessarily any fault on on either side it's it's just it's just football you just sometimes you're the wrong the wrong fit for a certain club aren't you Um, so yeah wishing him all the best obviously a few other outs as well uh, and a couple of other players that we've probably seen the last of in a town shirt Um, Ryan Schofield has gone to Hibernian Mm -hmm. he's out of contract at the end of the year and you know at his stage of his career he really just needs to to start playing somewhere doesn't he Mm. Um, but he also
1: I mean let's be honest Steve he he can't play in front of a Huddersfield town exactly exactly yeah exactly
0: so you know all the best to Ryan you know academy product he's from Huddersfield um, and a lovely lad so uh, hopefully that works out for him as well and uh, Rolando Aaron's uh, as also he's gone to Motherwell. That's uh, it's got a break clause in January, as I think all the loan moves do. Um, but um, yeah, obviously Rolando, we've, we've barely seen him, and he was he's been fit for the better part of a year now, and we've we've just not seen him again. Just a a move that's not worked out. Uh, a couple of other loans as well. Jacob Chapman has gone to Salford until January, mm. uh, and uh, Danny Grant has gone to to Harrogate. Um, to, for the rest of the season the fourth player they've got on loan at Harrogate I think some people are a bit unhappy that they've sent out Danny Grant but uh, I think you and I have a slightly different take on it don't we really haven't seen a lot of him for the B team
1: yeah yeah, he it, like he's capable of moments and I think part of the problem a lot of fans have they don't see him for 90 minutes they just see A tweeted video, sometimes by the club, of the goalie scored in a B team game, and the problem is, like he can have genuinely been rotten for eighty minutes, but had a good ten minute spell, and he's done that a lot. (laughs) He's done that a lot, and he kind of, he kind of fools you sometimes into thinking there should be a, a really, really good player here. And I think you know, I'm evidence based as an analyst, and I think at the moment. Just wide scale. When you've seen him a few times, there just isn't the evidence of that. I don't think it, that he's a, he's a bad player by any stretch or anything like that. And he I, could well get there. And he could well get there, but he's ju- he's nowhere near good enough to play in a championship side week in week out. No, nowhere near. Um so I think it's it's probably and that
0: that's that's not a slight on him either. No. It's just you need to you need to bear in mind this is a player who takes time. <laughs> yeah, he 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 was semi-professional in mm. Ireland. You know, he was he was a university student um, on top of playing for Bohemians, and um, then has come to, to the professional club for the first time and spent you know a year out either injured or or ill, which is again no no fault of his, no. but means that he's missed out on a a year that he could have used getting up to that championship level. And when we've seen him for the B team, he's, he's a player who, if you only sort of see B team games through YouTube clips or Twitter, you know, the goal um, videos that they post, he looks great. But if you actually watch a game, you go, oh, well, he's Mm -hmm. not doing this. He's not doing that. And again, we're not getting on at him, but we're just sort of responding to the backlash and people saying, why have they sent him out? I think what Danny Grant needs at this point is just to play normal Mm. professional football, um, uh, you know, for for a club that's going to play him regularly and get used to the rigours of that. And, Mm. you know, all the usual stuff about the physicality, um, about the speed of the game, about training week in, week out day in day out with a, a professional setup is uh, is exactly what he needs and we know that, that Huddersfield obviously trusts Harrogate to give players that because they've sent numerous players mm. out there over the past, past year or so.
1: Yeah but I, I did see quite a few people who were sort of claiming all sorts that so I just think best case is you're right and he comes back to town and he's a first-team player and he's absolutely brilliant. It's it's the right thing to do at the moment, isn't it? I think the Jacob Chapman one is quite interesting as well because I I, I think Chapman, again, has got he's one of those players who's got a lot of the right sort of attributes. So he just needs to play some, some proper football now. So it'll be, be interesting to see if he can get into that Salford City side longer term and, and how he goes on.
0: Yeah, one to keep an eye on. Yeah. Um, I think he's uh he's going to be sort of challenging for a place but the point with Jacob Chapman I think crucially is that you know if I think if Lee Nichols got injured or suspended or whatever I think they would look to either an emergency loan or a free agent rather than playing Chapman or Beluc pitch Whereas at least at Salford, if someone gets injured or suspended, he's going to play. Is the thing. I know. So, I
1: got I got told off for saying it the last time I said it out loud, Steve. But I'm going to say it anyway. Goalkeepers are easy. <laughs> cuz yeah like well over 2 thirds of the workforce is out of work at any one single time so yeah no massive panic and you sort of think well if Lee Nichols gets injured in the 20th minute of a game and Bilok- uh, Nick Belokopic has got to come in for 70 minutes that that will be fine and then you assess from there don't you so yeah goalkeepers are yeah. easy <laughs>
0: Yeah, in yeah, in relative terms, the emergency loan market just makes them different, you know, because you can't get an emergency striker, but you can get an emergency goalkeeper.
1: So. Well, not unless you're Harry Redknapp going after Ravel Morrison <laughs> when he was QPR manager, but that's another story. Not that bitter,
0: <laughs> but um, but yeah, I mean, the transfer window as a whole, and and I think we've said this before, and certainly when I wrote up my summary of the window as a whole, this is my feeling on it. Obviously. The two major departures were, were O'Brien and Toffolo. Um, two slightly more uh, minor, but still sort of first team players in in Pippa and and Nabisar as well, um, who were sort of ended up as, as backup last season. Uh, we talked about Nabisar recently, so I won't go on with about him. But I think I think we all expected O'Brien to go. Uh, I think you know, the the Toffolo thing is is unfortunate that they couldn't come to an agreement with him, but again, hard to begrudge him the Premier League move. And I think, given that they'd had that impasse on his contract for nearly a year, it's probably the right thing for Town to to cash on in him while they rather than let him mm. go for a free in the summer, um, particularly since it was you know a big chance for him to go and play in the Premier League, and that was always going to make it difficult. But I think when you look at the players they brought in, sort of individually uh we're not seeing a lot of David Kasumu obviously because he's been injured but we really like him as a sign in from looking at his numbers at MK Dons obviously there's the the issue of uh uh his injury record uh which we've already seen and he does pick up suspension. someone took me to task on uh, on talking about Kasumu's suspension record saying he'd only had 11 yellow cards last season it's like well yeah but that's from that's from 12 starts um 22 appearances total in the league so you know he is going to get his track record does suggest he's going to miss between sort of one and three games a season uh, just from his bookings alone, um, let alone his, his injuries. Uh, Connor Mahoney, I think, offers at least sort of an option from the bench if Silva Thomas needs a rest. Um, he can come on and take the set pieces, which we know are a huge weapon for town. Uh, they scored one, obviously, against... Blackpool, not that it was allowed to stand, but they did. Um, <laughs> and uh, Mone's good at that. Scored a hat-trick for the B team last weekend as well, Conor Mahoney. So hopefully once he's fully up to speed and, and fully fit, he can. we'll see more of him. We like Yuta Nakayama, I think. It'll be interesting to see him playing at, at left wing back now. We really like Jack Rodoni, everything we're seeing of him. Uh, Tino Andrian, I think he is either offers nothing or is the best player on the pitch and is completely unplayable, but he only needs to do the latter sort of 15 times a season and he's worth signing. Um, and and Kane Kessler-Hayden we really like as well. Um, you know, he's he's not the finished product as we saw with, with his mistake against Blackpool, which is a mistake I don't think he's likely to make again in his career, but he's been sent here to learn and I think on the whole he looks like a really good... Um, like for like replacement for for Pippa, really. So we like the individual components of their transfer business. The issue is that they're not really coming together into a cohesive whole just at the moment. And I'm not just talking yeah. about the new signings there. You know, I'm talking about players who were reliable and and consistent last year, likes of um, John Lees. Russell, Tom Lee's, Jonathan Hogg. Um, you know, all players that, yeah, they have faults, but that's why they play in the championship. And they were an integral part of a team that finished third last year and had a, you know, X game unbeaten streak. 17 games, was it, at one point? Mm-hmm. Um, unbeaten streak. So <sighs> the fact that we're sort of saying we like these players as individuals and we, you know, not just the signings but the existing squad players, but it's not coming together yet. That's sort of the main issue facing town now, isn't mm-hmm.
1: it? Yeah. It, it, the the pressure on Danny Schofield is is real at this point, and I think we have to talk about it. And it is in part because the transfer window on paper, yeah, it looks it looks good. You can, you can make a very decent town eleven now. You know, if you if you lay it out on a paper, paper and assume everybody's fully fit, they've got a pretty strong first team, and these pieces have got to start coming together fairly quickly. And um, yeah, they've been unlucky with one or two injuries. I think you can't underestimate how big an in, a miss Matty Pearson has been yeah. in that that back back three or back four or however he wanted to play it. Because Pearson, he he gives them a bit more balance. He gives them a threat on set pieces. He's also very happy with a certain role, so you can that whoever's next to him can get on with doing something a little bit different so they are missing a sort of key element but yeah i i just think the the options they've got are fairly decent now and they've got to get an 11 that works and a system that works i i still think they're a system problem Steve because i still yeah, think exactly. they're struggling to find okay we've got this we've got this what looks a, a competitive and a decent squad but it's not so much what is the first 11 it's what is the best formation to get the best from these players mm-hmm. we have. Um, we talked about the midfield issue at length. I don't just think it's a midfield issue now. I think you've got to look. When the transfer window closes, you know exactly what you've got, don't you? You know exactly mm-hmm. what you've got. So it's time to go, OK, well, we've spent this time sort of getting to this point and now this is this is us. This is what we are. And I still, I'm still not sure what Danny Schofield's town is. I think that's a bit of a problem.
0: I think the biggest problem is obviously they spent the summer working on this this new shape that he tried yeah, out for the, the first few games, and that very 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 quickly became apparent just wasn't working gonna work. and wasn't wasn't going to work. Mm. Um, and you know that is time you can't get back. Um, obviously, it was a difficult situation for for Danny to come into. You know he wasn't expecting to get that job that quickly, um, and. Corbrand's resignation really caught them on the hop and you know I've got sympathy there but you know the the, the fact of the matter is that his plan didn't work and he's had to, to change things up um, and I think despite the last two results since we last spoke, we're not going to talk about the games in huge detail because we're recording so long after them that they've, they've been and gone by now. Mm. But long story short, when you look at the underlying numbers, when you look at the shots they've had, the shots they've allowed, the XG, the XG against, the accepted goal difference, the amount of territory, the amount of possession they've had, all the numbers are going up in the right direction. Mm. Um, but they've still lost those games. And, yeah. you know, y- y- obviously there's the huge... Um, controversy in the the Blackpool game Nakiyama's goal clearly over the line um and was clear to the naked eye from the stands so you know goal line technology failure is one thing but I think I don't know I, I understand the point of view that the referee really has to have a a big big brass pair to um to overrule the goal line technology but on the other hand it was so far over I think you know it's it's kind of beggars belief that he didn't didn't at least consider that it might be a you know the the 0.1 instant where it just hasn't worked and clearly a goal should be given but it is what it is you know for all that controversy you know town had three shots in the last 23 minutes of that game you know they didn't exactly subject blackpool to the alamo and i think part of the issue we touched on it with edmund screen earlier part of the issue is I think there's probably one or two too many players in that squad at the moment who just can't play ninety minutes. Um, you know, like Satino, Andrew, and Danny Ward um, have have rarely, if ever, completed ninety minutes in a Huddersfield Town shirt. Um, I don't think you know. I don't think Andrew has at all, unless I'm mistaken. No. And, and Danny Ward frequently got substituted last season. Um, they've obviously had Edmonds Green in that boat as well. So you know, that's, if you're playing those three players, that's three players you have to use your, your subs on, um, which hamstrings Danny a little bit. But at the same time, I felt like, you know, that there's more that they could be doing to get the most out of the players they've got. And I thought the last sort of, as I said, last 20 minutes or so against Blackpool were were disappointing, the, the lack of pressure they put them under, the lack of ambition they showed you know it's you've got nothing to lose at that point you're already 1-0 down you're playing at home you've had a goal disallowed Um, what have you got you know the worst that happens is you end up losing 2 or 3-0 well where town are now it's not like they're worrying about goal difference you know that they're worrying about points and I, I think the fact that you know all the substitutions that Danny Schofield made were like for like with one exception and that ended up being like for like anyway because he took off uh, he took off Kessler Hayden to get Pat Jones on but then he moved Sorba Thomas to right wing back um, to put Jones on the wing so we're just for all we're sort of trying to find the silver linings um, which is also the title of a fantastic book about Bobby Robson's England Mm. um it isn't enough at the moment you know we, we can talk about an improvement over the last two games but they've lost
1: those games mm. that book is available via pitch publishing and all good retailers including Amazon I, I'm, so I'm told anyway plus I believe the author's handsome um, The pro- I think part of the problem I've got at the moment is that the like last season fantastic season got to the playoffs but the reason it felt slightly unreal and the reason that people were shocked that town got there is because they did a fantastic job defensively an incredible job defensively but still in an attacking sense their figures were bonkers you know they only outperformed in in non set piece XG the the relegated three. Which is extraordinary to get to Wembley. In that is just madness really. So a lot of the things we were told and me, me and you Steve we're not going to reveal sort of private conversations we've had with the club but a lot of the things we'd been told over the last year was that this season was going to be the one where they were going to turn the needles up on the attacking um this was it was all about being more creative creating more chances getting players close to Danny Ward. The big worry for me was uh, a lot of times Danny Ward was it was Corbyn level. Danny Ward, you know, just fighting Isolation. for a, fighting for a ball with four, sometimes five players closer to him than any town player. You know, five mm. opposition players, and that it's it. The thing is about Danny Ward is he still doesn't really get appreciated for the sort of selflessness of of what he does because there are a lot of strikers I can tell you who would it, they'd have taken their bat and bottle home at this point. And I think these are the issues, aren't they? Because we know, we've seen flashes of what Jack Rodona can do and how he could potentially play as a 10 or play as a lot closer to Danny Ward, shall we say, or play as a real creative eight. We've seen Andrewin come in. We know they've got Pat Jones, who's a bit of a wildcard option.
0: I think I think Sorba's been a lot better the last few games. I yeah. wrote a piece criticising Sorba, and <laughs> I'm not saying it's because of this, but since that, He's, uh, I think he's been really, really good. We're seeing more of the sober Thomas we got for most of last season.
1: Sorber reacts to chicken slam, um, <laughs> but yeah, the uh, that's that's the issue. The, those attacking needles at the moment they aren't moving, and they they've become a lot more possession based. But the problem is that possession has to lead to something. And the other damning thing, which is attack-related, is... Uh, my. Since I've, we started doing this podcast, there's certain things I've come back to time and time again. And one of the things I've said to you a million times, Steve, it feels like at this point. And I know you've told me a hundred million times, never to exaggerate, but that's how many it feels. Towns still don't do anything on adrenaline. They still like... <laughs> When a whistle goes for first to second half, you never see him have that 10 minutes where they come out and they're like proper charged up from the dressing room and they just properly go for it. They never, you know, 1-0 down as you pointed out, 1-0 down with sort of 15 minutes to go, they should be properly up and if nothing else, like just pepper the box with crosses and long balls just try and get it in there and get bodies in there they're just not doing that you know they're just not creating enough and it's good to see them play with the ball more it's good to see them have more Mm -hmm. possession but they're just not creating any more clear-cut chances realistically and the the needles are moving game on game but it's so slight and so I wouldn't say it's imperceptible to the human eye but it's very tough to make a case when you keep losing games
0: yeah I think it's it's one where I thought against Bristol City or Blackpool I thought they were noticeably better but like I obviously fans reactions to stuff is very based on the results which you would expect and and is really how it should be because you know there's no reason why a fan should care about oh they've had their xg is improved by a goal if they're still losing games like it you know that isn't why anyone goes to watch football but watching with that more sort of analytical eye i think the the improvements were there to be seen with the naked eye but as you say in such a slight way that i don't blame the fans for being unable to see it um because we had you know we had messages during both games saying this is awful this is you know this is terrible this is you know, more of the same, and I don't think it was more of the same. But I don't think it was so appreciably better that I could particularly no. blame blame the fans for not seeing it. Um, I think I think you need to sort of remember just how bad they were against mm. Burnley and Birmingham.
1: Having a little bit of adrenaline for like ten minutes in a game, I I think that I think that helps. That you know, because I think if 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 Town has could have come out of that Blackpool game and Town had just thrown the kitchen sink at it for the last fifteen minutes. I just don't think you come out with the same feeling. I think you come out not happy, but just thinking, yeah, okay, they did. They thinking
0: did. you'd have a similar response to the playoff final, where yeah. the response would have been, "We were screwed there," not "We didn't deserve to win that."
1: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and uh, yeah, football's football's an emotive game. We so we're not we're not criticising anyone for any reaction, really. I mean, it's not like somebody's just gone and ripped your manager out of your club and half your backroom staff and you've spent a week crying about it. It's not like that's happened. (laughs) But um, it's it's getting harder and harder for me and you to sit here and make a case that everything is fine, isn't it?
0: Oh, yeah, impossible. I mean, they've got... You know, for all we're talking about, they've been unlucky against (sighs) Bristol City, they've been unlucky against Blackpool... We also need to say they were very lucky against Stoke and and West Brom. Mm -hmm. And when you go by the XG and you go by the underlying numbers, town have the exact number of points they should have, which is you know, is four from seven games, which last time I checked is absolutely relegation form and not just relegation form, but relegated with eight games to go form.
1: Yeah, I think think what was significant after that Blackpool game, and I think it's a change of perception and a change of thought process, is they're no longer just a game in hand away from getting out of the relegation zone. They Mm -hmm. need that game in hand, which is no gimme anyway against Coventry and another couple and, you know, somebody else to, to not win for it to go their way. And that's that's where the perception shifts and that's where you have to go okay this is this is not working as it currently is and the the other important thing to say is the games don't get any easier either steve because like they've got wigan coming up who and wigan have made a very decent fist so far of of scrapping and fighting but they are very very beatable they're one of those teams well
0: you say that i mean that they've only lost one of their seven games so far this season yeah yeah so but, they're going to make it difficult
1: yeah but i i still i still don't think there's much there if i'm honest i, I think you have to target that for a win but mm. they're not they're not going to make life easy for town put it that way because mm-hmm. you know what we're going to going to do which is they're going to come back and make sure they have eight men behind the ball at eight all times 10 men preferably um, and it's just going to be very difficult to break them down and then cardiff are a funny side you know they they can be really really good it's just they've got to get this corrected quickly because it's a league where you can get cut off and I think this season is so weird that the one thing you don't want beyond anything else is to stop playing football for a month and be in the relegation zone. Because while some people say, oh, it's really good because it's going to give players a chance to sort of, you know, get their their energy back, keep the training. One, it's difficult to keep players in the groove when you have a month off. But two, psychologically sitting there for a month in the relegation zone where you can't do anything about it, that's... It's it's a weird, strange mental position to be in. Look
0: what happened in COVID. Yeah. When there were a million reasons to think that they were going to come back stronger and you know fitter and mm. and then they were dreadful <laughs> um, for the first few games back. So
1: so it's it feels certainly the rest of the games this month and October feel like really big months already, mm. um, which is in and of itself is not a wonderful position, is it?
0: No, I mean we're talking about the Wigan game the The suggestion is, and the guidance from the EFL, and this isn't an official position, but the guidance is to that, that as it stands, the game that game will be going ahead. Um, we'll need to see about the following weekend, um, where Towner at home against Cardiff. Um, obviously, the the you know we're not at a date for the Queen's funeral yet. Um, there's been talk that it's going to be on Monday the nineteenth. What that means for the weekend fixtures, who that's knows? The, that's, but
1: th- has the Queen passed away? <laughs> why, why has no one mentioned this
0: <laughs> but um yeah, I mean, well, I mean, they look kind of absurd for having called the football off in the first place, don't they? I could understand, do you know what, I could understand if the London games hadn't been on, so I wouldn't have been surprised if Towns game had been off this weekend anyway, but anyway, that's a different conversation that that's not worth digging sense. into it.
1: The fact my daughter yeah. can't play her first game of her first season for a new club tomorrow lunchtime like she was excited about makes less sense, shall we say. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
0: Um, but, you know, assuming those games go ahead, you know, it's two home games now. And, you know, let's not put too fine a point on it, Dave, because we, we've sort of danced around it. But Danny Schofield's on prior time at the moment, really. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it it doesn't feel like a, a, a tenable situation if things keep going as they are. And it feels like if he doesn't get a win from one of these two games, um, they there's only really one decision they can make because... You know you, the, the and we said this sort of after the the West Brom game as well that really after the window shuts the excuses sort of run out because mm. it's not like they've had an injury crisis they've had two players injured for the for the most part you know they've had Pearson and Casumu injured and they've you know Kasumu will be back uh, as far as we're aware the press conference that was scheduled for Friday morning got cancelled so we've not had an injury update since um, since before the Blackpool game um, but you know. They were saying then that they were hoping to get Kasumi back for for QPR to at least play some part. They've got Helik in now, they've got Mbete in now. You know, the, the the excuses have really run out now and and the caveats that you could make in Danny Schofield's favour and you know, the atmosphere at the John Smith's has has been poor, um, and understandably so, um, after the summer that that the fans have had and the start of the season that the, the team have had on the pitch um and it's it's getting very difficult for to make a case of Danny Schofield at, at at this point they really need to to get a response against wigan on tuesday
1: yeah i i think if they lose against wigan they've got a decision to make cuz it's just it's not just where they are. Wigan are one of the teams who, regardless yeah. of what they're doing now, they will be, <coughs> they will they be should. down in that mix-up come the end of the season. So you you've got to take points off those clubs at home, or you're you're you know you can find yourself in trouble. So yeah, it it's it's not that the thing is. I still think there's a world where Danny Schofield can be a successful town manager, and I don't I don't think I don't think you can use the word failure either. I think there are a lot of circumstances as to why it's been a difficult start to the season the nature of pre-season and Corbran going when he did and the nature of Corbran as a as a manager and how sort of steeped in Corbran that squad was and the routines and the sort of overthinking to be honest and the the real finite detail it's very difficult not to mention
0: not to mention as well we talked repeatedly last season about how the likes of Lewis O'Brien and Harry mm. Toffolo were driving the standards up for the rest of the squad and that's yeah. something that other members of the squad talked about as well those two are a huge miss from that dressing room alongside yeah. Corbyn.
1: and that's what I'm going to say and I mean you, you look at the side that started the playoff final and they've lost was it five of them Tuflow Pippa, Sar O'Brien uh Colwell. yeah uh, is that it just the five so that's I think so it, it, these are these are all these are all reasons and issues and uh, it's not that I think as I said that Danny's like being a spectacular failure to this point or anything like that. It's just that he may prove to be the right man at the at the wrong moment is the thing. Yeah, It, it may have turned out that it needs somebody else, a different type of thinking because I can't shake the feeling that if they can get it right, Town are going to be absolutely fine because, as I said, they've got a very competitive Mm -hmm. first 11 and they've got a very decent squad at this point.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, I I think they would have expected that Danny Schofield would need a learning curve, Mm -hmm. and I don't think privately, I don't think they would have expected them to finish third again this season. The, The issue now is that having, and this is a harsh way of putting it, but because it's easy to say in hindsight, but knowing as we do now that that summer and those first few games were effectively wasted on a, a strategy that wasn't going to work, a formation that, that didn't work, um, has cost Danny Schofield time that he can't get back. Um, and they had a difficult start to the season with the fixtures. But the reality is like, you know, they're, they're already fighting from behind now just to get back to being a mid table side. And, if the results don't pick up and Danny Schofield keeps showing that he does need that learning curve they don't have the time to give him that you know if they try and give him the time to do that then potentially it costs them their place in the championship
1: you you can't keep losing home games No, that's the reality you can't keep losing home games and that's what Town are doing at the minute and yeah, we'll see. We'll see. It's, it feels like a big week this week. It feels like yeah. a very, very big week. But I'm sure Brighton will get a manager quickly. And that's not <laughs> what we were talking about, is it?
0: <coughs> no, it's not. But, you know, that's. I think you're right in highlighting, you know, Wigan and Cardiff are both bottom half teams. You know, Cardiff are one place ahead of town at the moment. Yeah. Um, they can They've be already a good lost to Birmingham, are down there. I would yeah, say they're they in can. a
1: very false position, but. Like you can't, you can, There's only so many times you can like make that excuses. Yeah, isn't yeah,
0: there? yeah, exactly. You know, and Blackpool, I think they would have seen as a winnable game. Oh, um, yeah. Wigan, they'll see as a winnable game. Cardiff, they'll see as a winnable game. And yeah, if they don't get those wins, then it's it's serious questions time. Unfortunately, I mean, wh- where do you think the issues are? Um You know, I I, I think you're right to say the system there's a systemic issue there because to me as I say they are less than the sum of their parts yeah
1: yeah, and that's I think they need to find their first 11 and I think they're close but they need to find that system that everybody is comfortable in because at the moment they still have the midfield issue where we identified I think you've got to be brave at this point and you've got to take John Russell out of that side because he's just mm -hmm. there's He's got a lot of strong attributes, but there are a lot of things at the moment that are just not working when you play John Russell in your midfield. And I think you have to... Well, there's no other way of saying it, but you you have to be prepared to go to be braver than they are at the moment, you have to be prepared to go if you're one nil down, you've got to throw everything at it. And at the moment, I don't necessarily blame Danny Schofield for it. At, at the moment, I think you've still got the the squad that is left from Carlos Corbran's time are still their default setting is control keep hold of the ball if you can, get into the right shape, get into the right positions. And it's that thing we spoke about before, they need to find a way to create chaos again. They need to find a way to get a back three tied up in knots, you know, for 10 minutes and and work some clear-cut chances because it's just not happening in an attacking sense. And I would argue if you look at their best moments in front of goal this season, they've all been... They've all been really good moves. You know, they are capable. Mm-hmm. Think of that Birmingham goal, you know, in the second half where they, they it, that was a really good goal where they just carved through them. So the capability is there, but they've just. And got they've got up.
0: individuals who can do it as well. Yeah. You know, Silver Thomas, Tino Entry, Jack Rodoni, yeah. Pat Jones are all players that can come up with those moments yeah. of individual and, quality.
1: And Danny Ward and Jordan Rhodes have scored goals this season already. They are both finishers, so platform them platform them and that doesn't mean leave them in a box against three defenders while you ping a cross in from twenty five yards. That's that's it's an impossible task and we've just we've been here for so long at this point, it's like, okay, what else have you got? (laughs) Mm -hmm. What else have you got?
0: I think the the key issue really, like we talked about moving the needles over the last two games. I think if they can if they win the next two games then we can say, okay, the the Bristol City and Blackpool games were their necessary pain where they had to just get used to being a team that's in control again um, and that spends less time defending because they have spent a lot less time defending over those two games, particularly against Blackpool, um, who unfortunately did them on you know, on a counter attack, but that was the only real chance they created in the whole game, Blackpool, and that was off an error from a, a you know a, a teenager mm. um, in in the town side in Kane kester Hayden. Yeah. So I, you know, if if they get wins, then we could say okay, the signs were there against Bristol City and Blackpool. They didn't get the results, but they had to go through that to learn to take control of games again and just get a bit of confidence back that they can keep the ball, and then they can then add a bit of spark to that and they'll be fine because um, I think the the attacking record is not great but I still sort of maintain on that that that's because they've spent so much time defending this mm. season um, both through Defending poorly when they've had to defend, it, and also being really sloppy with the ball in their own third, they've been. They've still had those moments of sloppiness, particularly against uh, Bristol City. But I think they've been better than they were in the early few games of the season um, on that front. So if they keep that going and can add a bit of attacking verve on top of that, they should get those results. Um, the issue, the, the the issue is, are those performances and. You know that improvement we saw, that slight improvement we saw, is that actually Town playing at their peak uh, mm. in this system and in this setup and under Danny Schofield? And if it is, then that is a, a huge worry. I don't think it is their peak, but the question is whether Danny Schofield is the man to to get it out of them. Mm. Um, but if you, know, you ha-
1: if you have a level of underperformance. That can't continue and I think we're both very much of the mind that they're underperforming in defence, they've got a real midfield issue and they're not getting the best out of their midfield and they're underperforming in attack. So it's getting a bit David moyse and you know, there are several areas we've identified we need to improve <laughs> Exactly. and that's, that is an issue. I don't think... I think the thing is... I think what's important to say is that I don't think either of us feel it is a completely lost cause. No. But at the same time, we're at a point where it's like... Okay, we don't want to think this is a lost cause, but there now needs to be we can sit here and say the last couple of games there has been improvements but they've still not won here. There now needs to be a continuation of those improvements and they've got to take three points and I think that's non-negotiable over the next two games really.
0: Yeah, yeah, I completely agree. I mean you talk about the midfield issue I agree. I, I think ideally I would have liked to have seen them seen another to, to have seen them sign another midfielder. Uh, they've obviously decided not to do that, and to be fair, at no point were you know did they particularly intend to. They were quite set on, both on and off the record, that they were quite set on the striker and a centre-back, and they've ended up with a striker and two centre-backs. Um, what do you think they see in midfield that we are not seeing? Wh- who do you think they see as that midfield? Do, do you think it's Kasumi Rodoni? Do you think it's change the shape and play Rodoni further up um, and play... Kasumu and Hog.
1: No, I, I, the shape is the difficult thing to define. But I think if you're talking about a pair, I think with everyone fully fit, as you said, Kasumu and Radona, I think are the, that's the future. Because I think we spoke a lot about trying to replace Lewis O'Brien's energy last season in terms of a potential move that never came until the summer I think you have to have two midfielders with that sort of level of energy and Kamara as an option to come in and give you that level of energy and some aggression with Kasuma as well but I think Jonathan Hogg still very much has a place in the squad and plays an awful lot of football but I don't think necessarily he starts I think there's two thirds of the games now where potentially he doesn't start in their, in their best formation and I, get, I got a lot of criticism last season for not being a big John Russell believer. And I, it's not that I've, you know, there's no... I'm, I'm not saying I, I was right and everyone was wrong or anything like that because I think he's a player. I, he's he's surprised me since my initial view. But at the moment, he's just in rotten, rotten form because the problem is we know he hasn't got much pace, but he, he offers you a set-piece threat. And he can quarterback from that deeper position and get players onto the attacking front foot. And at the moment, he's doing nothing on set pieces, and his passing radar has deserted him. So the problem is, he's not giving enough in there. So at the yeah. moment, he's further back than any of the other options for he's, me.
0: He's a bit of a. Uh, it's a strange thing to say about a lad who's six foot three, six foot four, but he is a bit of a luxury player. And I mm. think. I think you can find a place for him and he will offer something different in a team I, that's, alre- that's already well-structured and is already playing yeah. well. But here's I think a, it, when you're trying to find a structure and trying to find form,
1: he's not necessarily the player you want in there. Here's, here's a question for you. I, I'm kind of like. I'm kind of coming round to the line of thinking that says that John Russell would potentially be better coming on with 20 minutes to go and playing almost in the ten position, where he doesn't have to run back, can cause a load of trouble higher up, can cause a load of trouble on set pieces, and can also be a huge aerial threat if you if you st- decide to go heavy on the crossing. Link. Because mm. at the moment he just he doesn't offer any cover, so I don't think you can play him as a six because he's just. He's not mobile enough to get left and right quick enough. Um, But I I sort of think he's also got all this good stuff he can do. So is it worth having a look at the Fellaini role for him?
0: Mm. Yeah, I think for the time being. You know, if you're looking at, you know, we talked about how they didn't go full Alamo against Blackpool. You know, Mm. if you wanted to just, lump long balls into the box who who do you want more in there Mm. to be you know to be that target man than than John Russell and to get onto those crosses so Mm. yeah I think there's a place in there I I think the the question marks for me in that midfield are are Hogg and Cosimo and whether Hogg is up at this stage of his career to play in that all-action midfield role Um, because I think when we've seen him play better over the last year or so, it's generally been when he's played at the middle of a back three. I thought he actually did a good job against Bristol City um, in that role, and he did a good job in that role towards the back end of last season as well. I I question whether he's um, necessarily capable of doing that from central midfield at this point, and Kasumu, I think we like on paper. And you know, we're not we need we need to be careful not to joke all David Kasumu and say mm. putting him in the side solves all their problems because he's unproven at this level. But on paper, he is everything that they've lacked in that midfield. You know, you talk about that energy, that ability to tackle, that ability to cover ground, he ticks all of those boxes that, that Lewis O'Brien left behind. Um, but you know, again you can't count on him to play half your games this season. His injury record tells you that. And, you know, I think the club are are quite um, confident that they can improve that injury record because they've got better facilities, better staffing than he had available at MK Dons and they can look after him better. But at the same time, he's you know, he's already had his first hamstring injury Mm -hmm. um at the club um 17 minutes into his career um as ordersfield town player so that that's my misgiving in in midfield um yeah but you know i think i think there are ways structurally you can set it up to to make that work um you know by asking a hog or a russell whoever you play or a kamara to do less um and getting a you know, a Rudoni or a, even an Andrew or a Holmes um, or a Kasumu to do more and, and pick up the, the other sides of the games that, that the first three players I mentioned are, are maybe not so
1: strong on. I think, I think it's worth a word on Dwayne Holmes though. I think he may not like it, <laughs> but I really feel like he's one player whose role has been decided this season and he's actually been really good. Because yeah. when he comes on with 20, 25 minutes to go and he's all action and he's high in the press and he comes on with sort of a bit of a point to prove, he's actually His
0: interceptions been, in particular.
1: Yeah, he's actually been really, really good. The problem is you just you still wouldn't start him as an eight, would you necessarily? Yeah. That's, he's, that's the issue.
0: The thing I would say about Dwayne holmes this season is i think he he is doing the things he does well very well yeah and i think we know that there are gaps in his game um but i think the stuff that that Dwayne holmes does well he has been doing well mm. and again it just goes back to that point about less than the sum of their parts because they've got players who are who are performing who we would say are performing as individuals and it just ain't coming together so anyway we've talked about we're sort of circling back around to the start here so i think Probably best to to call an end to it there. Um, yeah, hopefully we'll be playing Tuesday evening. Well, not you and I, but Huddersfield Town. Um, and then I think we'll look to do the next podcast after the, unless you know something dramatic happens against Wigan. I think we'll probably do our next podcast after the the Cardiff game.
1: Yeah, ne- musical recommendation? Uh I've just I've just been in bed
0: all week uh, and not listening to anything. So um, I'll leave it to you this week, Dave.
1: Massive Attack Protection, their best album. I know most people will say blue lines, but they're wrong.
0: There you go. Thank you, Dave, for joining us. Uh, we will see you next time on It To Be A Terrier, which hopefully won't be as delayed. Next time, goodbye.
1: What was that name of the book you mentioned? I just want to write that down. <laughs>